0: If it wasn't obvious by now, the 80s, and yes, the 90s, were a great time to grow up. Technology had not yet taken over the world, occupying every freaking second of every day like it does now. Toy companies were creating new toy lines left and right. And whether you were into action figures, dolls, video games, or puzzles, odds are your parents, if you're fortunate enough, could go to a toy store like Toys R Us or KB Toys and could purchase you one of those hot-ticket items. Or perhaps Santa surprised you with a popular toy that everyone just had to have on one particular Christmas. So with that being said, on today's show, we'll be taking a look back at the top holiday toys for each year spanning the 1980s. From the years 1980 to 1989, you'll hear all about what toys were flying off the shelves, some of which led to fistfights among customers who just had to get their hands on a particular toy so that Christmas wouldn't be ruined. The popularity and demand for what follows was no joke. So grab your shopping cart, your holiday list, and some comfortable walking shoes. Here we go. Oh, and don't bother with a reusable bag. We're going back to the 80s, so grab your non-biodegradable plastic bag. Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I'm your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning in to episode number 58, the top holiday toys of the 1980s. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to one of my Twitter followers and listeners named Double A., when I posted my previous episode, which was 57, about some of the WTF kids shows in the 1980s, they said, quote, I so look forward to your podcasts. Excited to listen to this one tomorrow. End quote. I always appreciate comments like that because, as I've mentioned before, the show is really a labor of love. I work hard to put together quality shows as often as I am realistically able to, so kind comments always mean a lot to me. We so often hear about how social media gets used for such awful and horrible things. However, I like to try and do the exact opposite. I like and comment on tweets and Instagram posts that I like. I compliment other podcasters and artists who I admire. I follow businesses and artists that I admire also on Instagram, clients I have worked with in photography, etc. It's not all that hard to be kind. Thank you to those who continue to be kind. Now, let's get back to the show. Let's start with the most popular holiday toy of 1980, the Rubik's Cube. Sure, Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity, but could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? Three weeks ago, Judge Smith retired to her chambers with Exhibit A, Rubik's Cube. She hasn't been seen since. Warning, once you get your hands on Rubik's Cube, you may never be able to put it down. Rubik's Cube, over three billion combinations, but just one solution from ideal. The Rubik's Cube was created by a Hungarian man named Erno Rubik in the 1970s. He was a design teacher who was, understandably, really into puzzles. He wanted to design a puzzle based on geometry, a.k.a. my least favorite subject in high school. Little did he know that once the Rubik's Cube hit the shelves of stores, it would go on to be the best-selling toy of all time, selling over 350 million units since it was first released. People were absolutely addicted to the puzzle, and still are, I'm sure, so much so that there were support groups for Rubik's Cube's addicts in the 1980s. Yeah, Rubik's Cubes are still incredibly popular today. Since 2003, there have been speed races to solve the puzzle. The current record holder's name is Yusheng Du, and he was able to solve the 3x3x3 puzzle in 3.47 seconds. Now, on to 1981. The top seller during this year was He-Man, Master of the Universe. He's He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Skeletor is his enemy. He-Man, He-Man. If He-Man, Skeletor, and Castle Grayskull, you have to put the castle together. You're doomed, He-Man. Oh yeah, watch this action, Dad. He-Man was created by Mattel. The action figures released in 1981 coincided with the comic book and television series of the same name. In addition to the action figures, there were also vehicles and playsets like Castle Grayskull. This original line was so popular that it ran until 1987. Part of the reason why He-Man could have been so popular in the early and mid-1980s is because the toy company intentionally made the character more buff... Than pretty much any other action figure at this time, He-Man was really just exploding with muscles, and he somehow squeezed his large stature into his small banana hammock underwear. He was wearing. He also wore a chest strap and uh, wrestling boots. He looked a bit more like a go-go dancer at a gay nightclub, but kids didn't know the difference. When you twisted He-Man at the waist, he he would twist back and snap back. Into a front standing position super quick and could thus punch an enemy figure in a split second. I'm sure this also led to his popularity. That brings us to 1982, the year of the glowworm. night, friend. Glow bug. <laughs> Squeeze and tight when it's night. Watch his face, light up bright. Glow bunch of good night, friend. And there's also little glow baby. Glow baby's time, mommy. Good night, glow baby. Good night, Susie. Glow worm, glow bug, and little glow baby. They and they're machine washable. From Hasbro. Created by the play school division of Hasbro, the glow worm was essentially a flashlight inside of a soft, worm-like creature who had a vinyl head. It was maybe about a foot... A foot and a half long. The first version had a soft green body and wore a matching nightcap. When the worm's body was squeezed, its head would then light up. The light was a huge hit. I know I had one, and I'm pretty sure my sister did too. Uh, At one point, in case you were wondering, which I'm sure you weren't, but at one time I had a wart removed off the bottom of my foot as a kid, and I was terrified to have the procedure done. So my mom said I could pick out a toy after I had it removed. I chose a glowworm. You know, one of the newer versions who is blue. Totally worth it. The popularity of glowworms grew quickly, and before you knew it, they had their own line of picture books and animated specials. There was also a glowworm Christmas special featured during an episode of My Little Pony. Glowworms, or an offshoot of glowworms, were featured in various Happy Meals and fast food restaurants and were made into small plastic figurines that were sold in stores. Glowworms, although not nearly as popular as they were in the 1980s, are still made to this day. In 1983, parents got to experience the chaos and drama that was the Cabbage Patch dolls. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Each doll is different, and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for them, like your very own. You're a pal. and the only one. I love you. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch, Patch Kids. Kids. You can give them all your love. Patch kids are each sold the Baby Dolls were created by a man named Xavier Roberts. In the mid-1970s, Roberts started creating fabric dolls with an old German fabric sculpting technique. He first started selling them in Georgia at craft fairs and the like, and eventually they got licensed by a toy company, and the demand for the dolls just exploded. In 1983 alone, three million dolls were sold, or excuse me, adopted... 1983 is also the year when the design of the dolls with the vinyl heads and yarn-like hair that we all know and love started being implemented. Me and my sister absolutely loved having Cabbage Patch dolls, I would like to add. We played with them all the time. I remember I often had my Cabbage Patch doll with me whenever I went to bed. I believe her name was Karen, or my sister's may have been named Karen. Anyways, and I remember waking up feeling very startled and scared in the middle of the night one time when my Cabbage Patch doll fell out of my bed, and uh, her head hit the hardwood floor. That That was a fun night of sleep. We had a Cabbage Patch record that we played so much that I'm pretty sure it started to skip. I'll never forget this song, which I periodically get stuck in my head. In a Cabbage Patch garden all in a row Magic cabbages live and grow With bunny bee crystals and love and joy They turn into a Cabbage Patch girl and boy Cabbage Patch Kids Growing in the garden Cabbage Patch Kids Growing in the sun And the most amazing thing about a Cabbage Patch Kid Is that each each one grows to be a special one No one's like another In 1985, a Cabbage Patch doll by the name of Christopher Xavier went to space. Cabbage Patch dolls are another retro toy that is still popular today. You can actually visit the Babyland General Hospital in Cleveland, Georgia. You can witness the birth of a Cabbage Patch doll at a, uh, well, a Cabbage Patch, as well as purchase all different kinds of merchandise with the likeness of the infamous dolls on it. I think you know where my next vacation will be. Not at the Babyland General Hospital. No thanks. Anyways, in 1984, we got to meet Transformers, robots in the skies, for the first time. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the Transformers. The Transformers. More than meets the eye. the eye Transformers. the Transformers from Marvel Comics. The Transformers, more than meets the eye. The unique toys were created by Hasbro and Marvel and came from a planet named Cybertron. They required some patience to play with, but provided kids who had longer attention spans at the time hours of fun. The robots transformed into various items such as cars, trucks, jets, cassette tapes, and even guns. That's right, guns. These are no longer legal, of course, but certainly crazy to think about. During the Christmas of 1984, Transformers, much like the Couch Patch dolls, were in such high demand that people often fought over them when seeking them out in stores. 1985 brought us a topic we covered recently on the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, Teddy Ruxpin. That's episode number 53, by the way. Show and tell time. Another teddy bear? My teddy's name is Teddy Ruxpin. He talks, he tells stories. Four batteries not included. Hi, my name is Teddy Ruxpin. Can you and I be friends? Yeah, I really enjoy talking to people. I would like you... Teddy Ruxpin, the storytelling bear, comes with illustrated book and cassette from Worlds of Wonder. Teddy Ruxpin was created by a former Disney Imagineer named Ken Forsey. Ruxpin was essentially an audio animatronic Teddy Bear who read stories and sang songs to young children with the help of a built-in tape deck on his back. He was voiced by Phil Barron, who, as we learned in the previous episode of the show, lent his voice talents to both Welcome to Pooh Corner and Dumbo Circus. All the music composed for Teddy Ruxpin was created by George Wilkins, the genius behind many of the original songs for Epcot Center at Walt Disney World. 1986 was certainly a milestone for millions of children all over the world because Nintendo was released. Will you be the one to witness the birth of the incredible Nintendo Entertainment System? The one to play with Rob, the ex- video robot, batteries not included. He helps you tackle even the toughest challenge. Will you be the first to raise the incredibly accurate Zapper and play games like Duck Hunt or action-packed Hogan's Alley and high-flying Kung Fu, each sold separately? Will you be the one to experience the Nintendo Entertainment System? Comes with Rob, Zapper, Control Deck, two controllers, gyro Nintendo was created by the company bearing the same name, which has been around since the late 1800s. It was a home video game system that featured a console, two remotes, and eventually hundreds of games. Just a year before, it was showcased at the Consumer Electronics Show. When it was first released, it cost about $140, which is about $370 in today's money. The Nintendo company decided to market it as a toy, not a video game, which certainly helped its record breaking sales, blowing its predecessor, Atari, out of the water. 1987 was another strong year for Nintendo or NES. For holiday toys. By 1988, Nintendo had 65% market share of the home video game market. You can learn more about Nintendo on an early episode of the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, which was episode number five, I believe. There is some mixed information when it comes to what was a top-selling toy in the next year, 1987. Some sources say Nintendo, and other sources say Popples. Since me and my sister absolutely loved Popples, I figured we'd go with the furry creatures as top dog. Mom, here come the Popples for your child. Popples are pals that pop mm-hmm. out of pockets. Popples are pals that pop mm-hmm. out of pockets. A soft, fuzzy ball that turns into a friend. Mm-hmm. The fun keeps building and the will laugh and never end. Couples were produced by toy maker Mattel from 1986 to 1988. They were plush, multicolored characters, which sort of resembled a dog slash teddy bear slash bunny. They had a pocket on their back, which they could be folded into, creating a sort of soft fuzzy ball. I can pretty much guarantee that I used them in their folded up state to play indoor soccer. I don't have any proof, but uh, I'm quite certain I did. Anyways, the plush characters were created by a woman named Susan Trentle, who was inspired by rolling up a pair of socks. Funny how that works. She worked for a company called Those Characters from Cleveland, which was owned by American Greetings. The first round of popples had nine different ones, including characters like Potato Chip Popple, which was yellow with pink and blue accents; Puffball Popple, which was white with blue and pink accents. I'm pretty sure my sister had that one. Or Puzzle Popple, who was orange with yellow, blue, and green, and red accents. That's the one that I had. Popples were so popular that they eventually had their own TV series, which I rented all the time on VHS. And just like any other cartoon series from the 1980s, it was rebooted on Netflix in 2015, but like the first incarnation, it only lasted for about a year. In 1988, we were introduced to the comic book and later the action figure juggernaut that was and is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. the The characters were created for a comic book series in 1983 by two artists named Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. The comic book experienced some decent success, but when a licensing agent began working with the two artists, things really started to take off. The toy company Playmates agreed to create and distribute the toys, and the rest is history. The toys would go on to be one of the most popular toy lines of all time. In the first four years of being in production, over $1 billion of action figures were sold, and over 400 different figures have been designed since its inception. If you want to learn more about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, tune in to episode number 50 of the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, hosted by yours truly. And finally, that brings us to our last year, 1989. The Nintendo company was yet again on top as their Game Boy, a handheld video game console, was the top holiday gift. They said it wasn't humanly possible. All the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable, it's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Game Boy comes complete with batteries and the outrageous new game, Tetris. And for head-to-head competition, use Video Link and blow your opponent away. Game Boy, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. Portable power. It was created by a Nintendo employee named Gunpei Yokoi, who had previously created the game and watch. Kids and likely adults could now take their video games with them on the go to play on the train, on the school bus, and possibly discreetly underneath a desk in class or maybe at work. It was first released in Japan in April and then the United States in July, which was complete with Tetris, a game that pretty much everyone wanted to play, where you try to get the blocks to line up. Nintendo has shipped over 100 million units over the years, and in 1993, a Game Boy went to outer space. With the popularity of Game Boy came many imitators, including handheld gaming devices created by Atari and Sega. There was nothing quite like the original, though. It was a top-selling handheld video gaming device for about two decades, but the Nintendo company has now shifted their focus to devices like the DS and Switch. So, there you go. Those were the top-selling toys for each holiday season spanning the years 1980 to 1989. Did you have any of these toys? Did you receive one or a few of them during the 80s? Send me an email with any memories that you have to popcultureretrospective at gmail.com. I always love sharing listeners' stories and comments on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this look back on the popular toys in the 1980s. It was definitely a lot of fun to take this trip down memory lane, as it always is. Me and my sister absolutely loved Christmas as kids, and we got to see most of our extended family between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We were always the recipient of many wonderful gifts. We were really, really lucky kids. I decided to purposely release the show on December 22nd as my sister's birthday falls on the date. She would have been 42 this year. The month of December is a wonderful time of year, of course, but there's also a part of it that feels overwhelming, heavy, and exhausting, and every year it sneaks up on me. Something feels off, and then I remember who was missing. Without sounding too corny, Christmas with my sister was really a magical time. I was always the first one up on Christmas and was immediately wide awake. She would then follow me coming downstairs, exhausted and half awake. She could have been a professional gift wrapper, really. Really? She even made her own gift tags, which were a work of art within themselves. She always gave me very sweet and thoughtful Christmas gifts, and the same with my kids. I miss my sister every second of every moment of my life. December 22nd through the 25th always hits me hard, though. I imagine a lot of people listening to the show can relate to me. Queen Elizabeth II once said, quote, Grief is a price we pay for love, End quote. So I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and that you are finding some happy moments, even though many of us are experiencing grief that can be especially hard at this time of year. I hope you'll join me for my next show where we will be discussing the band, The Cranberries. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.